comes the bride with a knife that's one inch wide. Where is the groom dead in the dressing room? Stabbed in the heart because death do us part. Hello, I'm Laura. And I'm Jeremy. And welcome to Death Do Us Part. The podcast where we kill your spouse so you don't have to. Uh, I took a pause there because I felt for some reason, like I said it backwards. Like, do I normally start with my name or do I normally say like, hello and welcome to death do us part? That's what normally happens. I did do it backwards. That, that is what normally I? happens. <laughs> I don't know. And the worst I part is it. I did it wrong twice in a row. I didn't catch it. Let's just oh, keep my on. Goodness. Let's just keep on keeping on. So, um, welcome. This week we're going to talk about work and being overworked, which clearly I am because I am losing my goddamn mind. Um, And yeah, work can cause a lot of stress in relationships, so I just, work is the topic. People be working. People be working. Stress leads to problems, arguments, um, irrational behavior, (laughs) and in your case, um, apparently a brain aneurysm. (laughs) stupidity mine leads straight to stupidity which is not what you need when you're really busy at work what you really need when you're busy at work is like your brain to hyper focus and be smarter Mm -mm. mine just goes straight onto the dumb train and then everything is 10 times harder so not only are you like working extra because you're extra busy but then you're working extra extra because you're extra stupid while being extra busy so you're just hyper extra just the most extra speaking of extra can i tell you what i'm drinking yes please do i'm drinking a bud light seltzer it's strawberry <laughs> What? okay it's delicious okay Is so it? it's like um it's like white club one time there was a video where people drank and rated all of the different like alcoholic seltzers that exist mm-hmm. hard seltzers is what they're called right um And I took that video very seriously and Bud Light Seltzer won for like taste tests for most of their flavors, except for one of them, which I think was like, oh, black cherry, because black cherry is literally disgusting in the first place. So it didn't have a chance. Got it. Um, Regardless, I bought them and they're actually surprisingly delicious. Very nice. Well, I'm drinking homemade blackberry lemonade. That's not alcoholic, because in addition to getting my first COVID shot yesterday, I'm now on a course of antibiotics and probably shouldn't be drinking. Oh, I heard. You're letting your finger get infected. Right, right. So I got a splinter in the garden, uh, what, I think three weeks ago now, and it's healed up. Like the, the cuts, you know, mostly healed, but it's still like inflamed. And so the, the doctor that I called on the phone, because it's 2021 and you could just fucking call a doctor now. Um, and I sent him a picture of my swollen finger and he's like, yeah, there's probably still some wood in there. It's <laughs> basically what he told me. So he gave me some antibiotics, um, some antibiotic ointment, which I didn't even know was a thing that I was like, well, the, the cut's not open. So will it do anything? He's like, yeah, it goes through the tissues. I'm like, fascinating. So yeah, I am, uh, I'm just tripping out on all sorts of high grade pharmaceutical products. Um, when that happens, don't you just stab your finger and smush all the pus and stuff out? Yeah, I don't think that's advisable. 
and I dug in there with a sterilized knife point, and I and I they were really deep, and I pulled those um, splinters out, and I thought I got them all, but he uh, apparently not. So my yeah. cocktail tonight is uh, it's just anti. Well, I will drink for you also. Good drink, which double. reminds me that I was getting a drink, and then my lovely husband was like, "I also want a drink," and I wonder if he well, he should be fine. I'm he sure stepped on a dirty nail today while doing bathroom Jesus. things. Did he clean it? Uh, yeah, he cleaned it. And then he cut his hand on a toilet. And then he also cut his leg <laughs> on something else. Um, oh, but then he was all worried about getting a tetanus shot. But then he did some Googling um, because I was like, well, I don't know if you can get a tetanus shot if you're supposed to get your second COVID shot on Tuesday. You're not supposed to get any sort of vaccines like 14 days before you get your COVID shot. Right. Um, but it turns out that the T and Tdap stands for tetanus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you had that when you had your last kid, right? Uh, not the most recent one, right. the original. Tetanus is but good for was, 10 years. Yeah, and they said if you had it within five years and then you step on rusty stuff, you're, you're good to go. And he had it when we had... Uh, the original child so that was only like three years ago so he's he should be good and i was like great get in there step on more shit let's go get the bathroom done yeah it is it yeah, is an empty funny. hole of a bathroom it looks disgusting gross yep so gross all the varied paint colors well this has turned from a, a, into a medical podcast into a home improvement <laughs> podcast Right, so we're talking about work. Hold on, I have to tell you one more thing about this, this <laughs> antibiotic, though. I, I was reading the side effects on the side, and there are the typical side effects. You can get fever, nausea, upset stomach, all the things that Pepto-Bismol fix, uh, fixes. One is, um, the, he told me too when I picked it up, apply sunscreen, because for some people it can make your skin extra sensitive. I'm like, great. It's 90 degrees today. Fantastic. And then the second thing is, of course, it can cause like diarrhea. But it also says on there, or it may cause it a few weeks or months after. <laughs> I'm like, so you can't even predict? I'm like, that is just wrong. So in three so weeks, we'll be having a diarrhea podcast. Just warning I you. was going to say, you're telling me come like middle of May, you'll have diarrhea one day and you'll be like antibiotics. I'm just going to be sitting there by the way of business and it'll make that <laughs> classic... Um, TV show sound, and I'll be like, uh oh. <laughs> so, can't wait for that. But at least I won't get sepsis. Oh my God. Good times. Yeah, so work. Work can, uh, can cause a lot of stress. Um, yes. For, for me, you didn't even say your pet peeve. Do you have a pet peeve? Um, My only pet peeve is that. Uh, this hasn't happened in a while because one, I don't get like over, over, too over busy at work like I used to. Um, but when my husband and I very like first started dating, kind of the original, I was like working like stupid amount. I will agree with that. Like it was ridiculous. It was like eighty hour, um, eighty hour, eighty hour work weeks, right? I mean, it was. Yeah, uh, real bad. my highest, the most I ever worked in one week was a hundred and five hours, which I don't even know how. I yeah, don't think I slept. Bad. I basically just lived at the office. It was not a fun time. But then I'd like get home from work and he'd be like, you're just now fun right now. And I was literally like, what? <laughs> what is that? What? 
obviously I'm no fun. Like I'm not having any fun. You're so like I'm not blood is pouring be... from my eyeballs. No, I'm not fun right now. Never felt less fun. All I want to do is take a shower, honestly. So then this time that I was not even like an eighth of that busy, I think I worked 60 hours instead of 100. Right. And it was just one week. It wasn't like 10 weeks in a row. Um, but he was like complaining about things and like got super mad one night because he had to make dinner. Uh-huh. I think he made pancakes for dinner and it just gave me like throwbacks to when he was telling me that I wasn't fun enough and I was like working my butt off at work and taking breaks so I could like put children to sleep and feed children and read children's stories and then I'd get back on my computer until like midnight or whatever and he was being like I had to make pancakes and you didn't say thank you enough and I was like literally I will chuck this pancake at your face (laughs) you had to mix water into powder and put it on a griddle and it will he started, the, the problem was he started off the conversation with, I think you need to calm down because I'm trying to be supportive. And I was like, this is literally probably the least supportive you've ever been. Isn't that ironic? The phrase, <laughs> the phrase, why don't you just calm down is like the most aggravating <laughs> phrase you can oh ever say God, to a person. Oh, yeah. No. Well, never a start one. a conversation or never start when you're going to tell somebody something and you don't think they're going to like the news. Don't start the sentence with, now don't freak out because that will just, oh, yeah. autom- I'm yeah. already pre-freaking out. I am freaked now. Yeah, that's a good pet peeve though. For yeah, me, so- the, the one thing is is when I used to like go to the office and then I would come home and then the kids' toys would be everywhere. And I would just walk in, and it would be so frustrating sometimes. I would just kick their toys to the side, like, boom. And it was somewhat, <laughs> it was somewhat satisfying. But um, then, uh, like, when Kelly and I were both working and basically trading shifts, like, she would work on the weekends because I'd be working during the week and um, with childcare and all that stuff. Um, I would have them on the weekends and realize how terribly difficult it is to keep that house toy-free the whole day. So this is something I've actually never complained to her about because I understand like when I'm watching them on the weekends, it's just impossible uh, at a certain point. You, you can't, you can't, you, you clean it up later. That's when they're gone. You just clean it up later. Um, now that they're older, it's changed. Cause now I just come in and say, clean up your toys. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, when they're like really little and they can't clean their own toys up, you, you just can't. At least in my opinion, you just do it later. It takes 15 minutes later versus trying to clean up when they're helping, quote unquote, and you put all the stuff away and then they just dump out a box and you want to shoot yourself in the head with a nail gun. It's better to wait. I, um, I can't. Usually if we're going to get something else out, like if we're going to move to, like, for example, if we're playing with wood blocks and then we're going to move to like a full new activity, which is get out every single dinosaur we own. I'm like, we have to put the blocks away before I'm getting out any sort of dinosaurs. I can't have wood blocks and dinosaurs all over the floor at the same time. So, Well, what if the dinosaurs want to play with the wood blocks and build a dinosaur fort? No, they can't. Sorry. <laughs> you just like your, your sons are going to be like, what is creativity? I only play with one thing at one time. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's more like, like, if he wants to go outside, he'll be like, I want to go outside. Then I'm like, you need to pick up all the blocks. Like, sure. Because you're yeah. obviously not taking your wood blocks outside. And we do, um, we do that for the or, most part, but 
like with the twins when they're both going in different directions and one of them's doing a good job helping clean up and the other one's just dumping shit out. You're like, well, fuck, it's just not worth my time, you know? Yes. At a certain point, yeah. you, just, you just give in. But I totally get that because you like already had to work all day and then you like come home and you kind of just want it to be like your you're like released and like your uh mine is when I would like be done not even working when I was like home and I'd be done and I'd want to come upstairs to like my sanctuary my room and I'd like come into our room and like Nick had been working in here all day and just turned it into like a raccoon home of like little <laughs> like like just trash everywhere and I'd walk in and it wouldn't even it would be like there'd be like multiple cans and like a plate and a bowl and a spoon on my nightstand like his nightstand, it's like our room is cut in half. His nightstand has crap all over it. Mm-hmm. My nightstand has a book and two coasters and an eye home on it and a lamp. That's it. I don't need your cans and trash and plates on my, like, don't put it on my nightstand. I understand that it's closer to the desk. So like ease of use, but one, bring it downstairs. Two, if you're not going to bring downstairs, then walk around the bed and put it on your own damn nightstand. For sure. Don't get your sticky syrup on my nightstand. So that would make me really mad. I'm glad uh, we uncovered another work pet peeve. It's not really, yeah. That's more like a room pet peeve, I feel like, because it's not like I was working. But No, that was him working, making a raccoon nest of your house. Well, I sincerely Uh, hope our listeners aren't too stressed out with work, especially our patron, Jimmy Fuquay, at the Jimmy Fuquay. Uh, you can find us at deathdoispartpodcast.com, at ddupcast on Instagram and all the other fucking places, and email us at ddup.podcast at gmail.com. So what murder do you have for us tonight, Laura? All right. So I have I have to tell you the title of the one article that I started with, um, which is uh, Marianne Brog. Mm-hmm. Killed husband Tom after he was hurt at work. Okay. <laughs> so, um, need to know more. <laughs> so, um, Marianne, I think that uh, Tom Brog was her third husband. Not that that matters really. She'd gotten divorced um, two times previously. He also had been married previously as well. Um, and then in the mid 90s, he started dating Mary Ann. Um, so she was kind of like working odd jobs. She had three daughters. And so she was working to try and um, take care of them when she met him. She really wanted to be, you know, taken care of, basically, like a stay-at-home mom status. She didn't want to have to be working. He sure. was a long-haul trucker, um, but he wanted to stay home with his new wife. Uh, so he traded in long-haul, long-haul trucking for doing roofing, Um, And he would do roofing with his twin brother, Tim. So Tim and Tom were twins. (laughs) And they did the Braga brothers roofing. Um, So they were working on a um, church. Uh, It was the New Life Pentecostal Holiness Church when the roof collapsed. So both of them, both Tim and Tom, um, fell through the roof and broke their ankles and legs. Jeez. Um, So then Tim moved in with Tom at the time. Um, So they were both staying there with like double broken legs and ankles. And Marianne was taking care of both of them. Um, So by early September, um, the brothers were like healing. So Tim moved out. Um, Tom still had a cast on his legs and he needed a cane to move around, but he was trying to get back to work. 
Um, however, on September 9th, um, their neighbor, James Mann, called police to report that he found Tom's body inside the house. The, the neighbor so, found his body in Tom's own house. Yes. Okay. First, I thought his, it was like in the neighbor's house. Man, come. No. Talk about coming home from work and finding something surprising. No, he was in his own house. So um, basically, Tom and James were supposed to go um, to a store together and he didn't show up. They were going to go to the auto parts, parts store, but he never showed up. So then James was like, WTF dude. So he went to go check on him um, and he found him laying in his bed with a pillow over his face. Uh, there was a large pool of blood under the bed. There was just a ton of blood all over the walls and the ceiling and everything. Good Lord. Um, and it looked like he'd been bludgeoned um, in his head with like a claw hammer. Um, so they, uh, James and his wife said that they saw Marianne, Tom's wife, leave the house around six o'clock that morning. Um, she had said that she was on her way to a doctor's appointment and nothing had seemed out of the order, ordinary. Um, when she got back home from her psychiatrist appointment, um, which was like over an hour away, um, she basically like collapsed at the scene. It was just like a total mess. Um, she'd gone to her doctor's appointment with a friend, Deborah Clay, who confirmed her alibi that they left at 6 a.m. They drove straight to the doctor's appointment, which was an hour and away. So basically she was gone uh, mm -hmm. when the murder was thought to have taken place. However, eventually speaking to Tom's family and friends, the detectives learned that um, all was not well in their marriage, as is what you usually find out. Um, and Marion was actually having like a ton of affairs um, she was one Not having just an affair. An affair. She was having a ton of affairs. Just a ton of them. Um, one of them was James Mann, who was their neighbor who found his body. Um, another one was Pastor Steve Craven, who was the pastor of the New Life Pentecostal Holiness Church. Wow. Um, she also spent her free time flirting with men in internet chat rooms. Which seems like so the lesser just, of all these evils just had tons of guys who were interested in her and that she was um, talking to. Um, and then they got a tip from one of her former son-in-laws, um, I guess from a previous marriage. Uh, several years prior, Marianne had reached out to him and asked him to get rid of um, James Wright, who was one of her other husbands. Oh, wow. So he thought that Marianne might be up to her old tricks and was trying to eliminate her current husband. Um, so then authorities discovered that Marianne had spoken to three different men um, about murdering her previous husband. In one instance, she had promised to share the proceeds of a life insurance policy that she was the beneficiary of. Then they realized that Marianne had recently taken out a $25,000 life insurance C policy on Tom. Naturally, um, as you do. And looking into it, it didn't seem like Tom was aware that this um, was even taken out. Um, so then they again, like, confronted Marianne and they interviewed her and they were like, you're basically having all these affairs. And she just said, like, meh, not a big deal. And that she was like frustrated with her. She basically was like, Meh, it's not that big of a deal that I was cheating on him. Like I was the one who was supposed to be taken care of. And then I had to take care of him and his brother, which is like, 
a huge pain in the ass. And they're kind of like, what? Jeez. Um, so then they talked to her friend who rode with her on the way to her doctor's appointment, Deborah Clay. This was like a couple years later. And she told a different story her second time being interviewed. She said that Marianne gave her some drugs. She took the drugs. They made her very sleepy. And so she slept most of the ride. At one point, the car stopped on a bridge and Marianne threw an item in a plastic bag into the water below. At another stop, she <laughs> threw a large trash bag into a dumpster at a Hardee's before they went to the doctor's appointment. That's crazy. So she just they're like, why? drugged why her didn't friend? You... Like she just was like, here's some drugs. And her friend was like, dope, let me take them. Like, what? what? If I got into the car with my friend, best friend even, and they were like, you want to take these drugs? They'd be like, aren't we going to a doctor's appointment? And then she'd be like, no? yeah, that's why you're taking them, and I'm not. <laughs> what? No. That's bonkers. Um, so um, they theorize the prosecution was theorizing that this was like the clothing that had blood on it and possibly the murder weapon. Um, but they still didn't have enough of a case to, um, you know, kind of like try and arrest her or anything. However, in 2005, finally, that was in 2002 when they're talking to her friends. But in 2005, um, they got her medical records from her psychiatrist. And according to the doctor's notes at that doctor's appointment, Marianne appeared to be distraught. And then she told the doctor that she just found out that her husband had been killed. The only oh, problem wow. was, is that at the time of her doctor's appointment, Marianne hadn't been notified by law enforcement, hadn't come home yet, and didn't know that her husband was murdered. Whoopsies. Oops. Um, <laughs> so Otherwise, on, she did a pretty thorough job of covering her tracks. Yeah. Yeah, she really did. I mean, they didn't have, they thought it was her and they just didn't have enough evidence until then. And they were like, well, if she didn't murder him or she didn't have someone murder him, she wouldn't have known that he was murdered. Wow. Um, so on November 8th, my birthday, 2005, she was arrested. <laughs> Way to ce celebrate with a, an arrested murder. Um, for murder, malice murder, felony murder, and aggravated assault. On September 2006, she was found gu guilty and sentenced to life in prison without parole. It took a while before they had, had yes. enough evidence. Yes. Well, I think the moral of that um, story is don't take drugs from your friend who's bloody and probably has a weapon in a plastic baggie. Just don't yeah. do it. Yeah. And then um, she's also still in jail, obviously, uh, at the Georgia Department of Corrections. Uh, it's Their website is so fancy, and they have these, like, professionally done portraits of um inmates it's like portraits and stories really? and it's like her, her portrait and then next to it it has like all of her information so she's got life plus 20 years her incarceration began november 8th 2005 and then it has her little like explanation and everything and a very nice portrait of her so she got life, but she got a wicked awesome portrait. So, yeah, you know, I would do what you got to do. This. I'd hire this woman to do like my professional work portrait. So she can't be <laughs> mad about that. 
Um, but yeah, so. When you're a big wig and you have your office, like, wow, that's a nice portrait. Yeah. Yeah. That artist, she, she mostly does murderers, but she came out for me. And she does prison portraits, but you know. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. yeah, so I am glad that when I was out of work on maternity leave or when I was out of work and super pregnant that my husband put up with me and didn't feel like he had to take care of me too much. Yeah, that's a good thing. And he's off work right now on family leave, so he's lucky that I'm putting up with him. <laughs> yep. Well, mine is also about a woman. And I would say it's very hard to be a working woman today with the, the kinds of discrimination and archaic thoughts that are kind of like pressed on to a woman in terms of uh -huh. the expectations and things like that. Well, for Imran Khan, who lived with his wife, uh, Nazreen, in Manchester in the UK, um, he had even more archaic archaic thoughts about what she should be doing and how should she be conducting herself in the work workplace. Nazreen, she was a very hardworking individual. She was a caretaker of older people. That was her job, a caretaker. She'd visit them in their homes, including men and women, who she administered medicine to and helped prepare their food. It's a very kind of basic thing. She wasn't a, a nurse. She was a caretaker, um, but she helped people do some of their you know basic needs. Um, and she got this job because she wanted to be more independent and to help support her family. And her husband was also kind of a slouch and not really supporting the family. So she really had to get this job. And uh. she was really good at her job and, and successful. Whereas her husband, Imran, uh, would spend his family's money and complain that his wife pretended to be asleep to avoid having sex with him. He was a very controlling husband. And he did not I was going to say, he sounds like a dick. He does. Because he is. He was very controlling. Um, and he didn't want her to have her freedom, but she took it anyway. She, he didn't want her to work because he wanted to be the stereotypical man of the house and be the provider, even though he was not providing. He was just mooching and spending money on shit he wanted. Uh, uh -huh. even, even his parents and his sister supported her decision to work. And specifically, work in that profession. Like when she joined, when she started working and doing that, they were really proud of her. So his own family was like, "Hey, this girl's great," whereas he was not so happy about it. So we have, yeah, very. It's like, um, where, where, like, where does he get his ideals from? If his parents are like, "This is great," and he's like, "No, she shouldn't be doing this." It's like, no, she must stay home and be miserable. No fun ever. So Imran, who's really a slouch of a man, and, and Nazreen, the caretaker, um, he became very upset and angry, um, and he wanted her to quit. And his justification for her quitting was that it was not halal for Nazreen to visit men in their homes. That's That was his reason, that she shouldn't be spending time alone with men, even though they were Isn't it like old men. Older, I was going to say older men that she's giving medication to. Who need, yeah, medical help and help just surviving they need help making food and they need medicine so she'd make sure that you know i mean when you get older everybody's gonna have a pillbox and you have to take certain medication on certain days and it can be harder and harder to do and that's what she was doing she was helping them and he texted her and said i told you 10 times there are three people whose prayers will not be accepted by allah 
a fleeing slave until he returns to his master. And first, he's quoting about some archaic, he's using some archaic quote about slaves not getting their prayers answered. So not a great start. I was going to say, you've already gone off the rails. We're on number one. So yeah, number one, a fleeing slave does not get their prayers answered. Number two, of course, a woman whose husband is angry with her until he is pleased with her. And then the third is a drunkard until he becomes conscious, which is a lot less like severe, right? Like, oh, you're drunk. So God doesn't answer your prayers until you're not drunk. Like, okay, that's reasonable. Um, That's reasonable because I feel like when you're drunk, you're probably asking for stupid things. Like, please, God, bean burrito. And he's like, nah, dude, I'll wait till later. Yeah, it's like when you're hungover and you're like, oh, please, God, let this toilet bowl be just a little bit colder on my head. And he's like, (laughs) and then God's like, you know what? You got it, dude. So, yeah. Chilled toilet bowl. Thank you, porcelain God. Yes. Precisely. So, yeah, that was just a load of horse shit. So he's just, he was very controlling, which makes me angry because he spent a long time telling her to quit. And then his anger just got bigger and bigger. He demanded her to quit. And if she continu- uh, continued to see uh, men, then um, he, he, there was going to be some sort of retribution. And near the end of their relationship, uh, Nazreen actually confided in her boss, telling um, her boss that she couldn't take it and she did not want to, uh, she didn't know what to do anymore. Um, she was just kind of at the end of her rope because she really didn't want to get a divorce. Um, yeah. Because of the cultural pressure and her boss volunteered to talk with her husband, but her support was a little bit too late because soon after that one night they had a big argument and Nazreen showed her husband's text messages to their eldest daughter. Um, they didn't explain why she did that. I'm assuming to let her know, um, or justify the reason that she was going to make the choice she was going to make, which was that she wanted to separate from her husband. Right. Um, and so she told Inram that she never loved him and did not want to be with him anymore. And he left. And when he returned, he said he had no choice. Um, he has to kill her. So for, he left to like calm down. And he, then he came back with the decision that he has to end her life. I was going to say he left to calm down and then he did the opposite. Right. Um, so when he came back, he stabbed her to death while the ki- uh, while five kids were in the house. Three of them were theirs. They didn't say who the other two were, uh, I'm presuming friends um, or, or relatives perhaps. And three of their own children were there in the house. Uh, they heard no. their mother screaming in the kitchen while he ended her life. And I can't imagine how awful that would be to hear, hear that, especially after they had just been arguing. Uh, the eldest daughter, I'm sure, knew what was up. Yep. And they must have seen, I mean, you hear someone, someone screaming, you come running. They must have seen it or they must have seen the aftermath because afterwards the father left. Um, but what was really uh, messed up was, was that before when he took that break, uh, he left to whatever, calm down. Um, he called his father and and told him what he had to do. And then... When he killed her, he called his father and just said, I did it. And then he hung up. So, so he, right, we have a lot of things going on here. The kids, and one of them, they described in the article a quote saying that after he stabbed her eight times, he lifted his head 
uh, with a twisted and crazy expression on his face. So one of the kids must have seen him. They didn't specify yeah. who. So we have the kids. And then we have the father who just receives a phone call saying, I'm going to kill my wife. Like, what does the father do at that point? Like, like you're going to try to stop him. But that, that's right. going to be... Especially because they, like, were more on her side. And they were like, your job is great. And, you know... Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were supporting her and their husband, her husband, their son is going mad. I, I just think as a father, like if you get that call, it, it has to be more heartbreaking than almost any other call than hearing your, like your, your son died in a car accident. It has to be more heartbreaking to hear your son say, I'm going to kill someone and then call back and say, yeah, I did it. And say, yeah, yeah. It's like your son's lost his mind and, and there's nothing you can do over the phone to stop this. So he, when he called his father, he said he was going to kill his wife and himself. Well, he killed his wife, and then he fled to a friend's house. The police arrived, and they, he finally gave himself up, so it wasn't much of a struggle. And the first thing he said to the police was, never get an arranged marriage, bro. That was his response. Well, that... Hmm. Then later, he said to the police during their investigation that it felt like a bad dream. He didn't mean to, and he always loved her, and he didn't want to hurt her. But fuck that. He, he no. knew what he did. He left. He called his father. He came back and still made the decision. I was going to say, and I'm sure his dad was like, no, don't do that. His dad wasn't just like, okay, you know, like on the phone. Like, I'm sure he tried to talk him out of it, and he was just like, nope, this is what I'm doing. This is it, y'all. So he was just insecure, he was jealous, and he was weak. And that's why he killed her. She was de independent and strong, and he didn't think that women should be that way. And so because his wife was that thing that he didn't think she should be, his only conclusion was to kill her. Which is really scary to me. Because like that was in his brain as, as socially acceptable. Yeah. So, he literally was like, well, that's the only option. It's what I've got to do. What? There's, side note, there's so many other options. Yeah, yeah, there's so many other options. Like, get a fucking job. How about that for a first one in Ram? <laughs> you get a job or just leave, go somewhere else, go be slummy at your parents' house. Yeah, go, go mooch off your parents. And he had kids with her, too. He had three kids with her. I know. I don't know. Those poor kids. As often as we discuss this, it never, it never stops blowing my mind. Seriously, I think it's because I can't like process that thought process. No, I can't like imagine being like, well, guess the only like, oh, you're being annoying today. Guess the only option is I gotta kill you. Sorry. And of course, like twelve thousand options. The first one being like letting them know they're being annoying today. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, this of course went to court. I mean, it wasn't much of a case because he admitted to what he had done, but the. Um, the judge laid down harsh judgment in the way he uh, described his thinking as medieval. Um, he, he talked about how medieval his thinking was of what a woman should be. Um, he talked about how great she was and how terrible um, Imran was. And he ended up getting sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of, a minimum of 20 years. I, um, I feel like maybe, maybe they can't make the minimum less, but I can't imagine he will get out um, and if he does, the world's just as broken as it often seems to be. Yep. 
crazy. It just pisses me off. Mm Mm-hmm. He was a father of a daughter, too. Like, I have a daughter. And, like, when I I look at the world, I'm like, how can we reshape this world so that it's going to be more fair and my daughter won't face the same things that my wife um, or, or parents um, faced with, with sexism. He had a daughter, man. Ugh, can't yeah, but it. if he really believed that, like, he obviously didn't want better things for his wife. So he probably believed the same thing, like that he was going to raise his daughter to be, you know, subservient and not get a job and all of that. So that's a fair point. Ugh. Disgusting. So my hypothetical murder works for him as well. Um, but actually, I came up with the idea for my hypothetical murder because I watched a TikTok. You know, I thought we agreed no TikTok, but, you know, you do you. You do you. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so there's, like, some of TikTok is, like, young uh, children dancing. Um, but then other parts of TikTok, there is this one guy on TikTok who's, like, this older uh, professional person, and he just shares Excel hacks. All right, that's pretty cool. Like cool things to do in Excel. This other, he also does like Outlook hacks. Like he taught me how to, you can change the color of different incoming messages. So like when my boss sends me an email, instead of it being like black, the font's larger and it's blue. So like it like shows up better in your inbox if you have a lot of emails. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah, stuff like that. So it's not just like dancing. It's a lot of cool stuff. A lot of like, the reason why we're freaking growing an avocado plant in our stupid pantry right now is because my husband watched a TikTok where this guy had like a bunch of avocado plants and he was like, we have to have avocado plants. So now we have an avocado plant. All right. Well, back to my original point. Anyways. TikTok's bad, but go on. <laughs> um, so there was this one TikTok that my friend sent me and it was this girl and she was like, Remembering that time that I dumped a gallon of brown recluse spiders into like my ex-boyfriend's window and I was like, (laughs) what? What? And so then I had to Google it and you can buy brown recluse spiders because some people, particularly people in Australia, um, keep them as pets, which like in Australia, everything's trying to murder you, right? So that's nothing unusual there. But, like, they say when you keep them as pets, they're not, like, actually, uh, like, angry, murderous spiders. Like, they're not out to get you, and they really don't want to bite you, and they won't bite you unless they're, like, super provoked. Um, So, they're super poisonous, definitely going to kill you and cause organ failure, but they don't want to unless you, like, (laughs) try and smush their house or whatever. Um, So, I was like, "This this is great. You can get them off eBay. So you can just um, buy a, like a vat of spiders off of eBay. Yeah, the the bigger Man, amounts are pretty. <laughs> the bigger amounts are pretty expensive, but you could just buy like one or two, and they're like seven bucks or something. They weren't as expensive as I thought they we were going to be, except for I bet you shipping's a bitch. Um, yeah. Anyways, so I figured I would just buy these, and then every single time Nick was like complaining about how unsupportive I was, I would just put one under his pillow. <laughs> And then sleep on the couch. And then, and then sleep downstairs or sleep somewhere else, yeah. And then, um, or just be up working until midnight, so then it doesn't matter. 
That's funny. So then his chances of getting bit would just keep going up and up the meaner he was and the less supportive he was because he would just keep getting more and more spiders under his pillow. Like the first time he gets one. And then strike two. The second time he gets, he gets two. two. Strike yep. three, it's four, and then it's just exponential. Which also would be hard because I, they must like do like they do with ladybugs and keep them cold or something. So they're like in a nap state because uh, they're really highly territorial. So if you put two of them in the same cage, they'll like fight and then they'll be mad. So then if you put two under his pillow, they're not going to be happy because they don't want to both be under his pillow because one of them wants to claim the pillow as their territory. So they're already grumpy it's and then you just pillow. shove your and you just put your hand under the pillow and you go to lay down and they're like, hey, uh, dude, I'm sorry, dude. this pillow wasn't big enough for the two of us. You think we're going to fit three in here? And then they just attack you. That's great. I read way too much about keeping brown recluse spiders as pets. One of the tips was don't have if you have kids or pets. Um, and the <laughs> other one was like, don't <laughs> handle them very often or uh, at all. Or, yeah, or ever. Man, that's some crazy Some people, people like to hold their spiders i guess but um which like there's people with giant tarantulas and they like walk on you or they like sit on your shoulder but i'm gonna uh, uh real hard on the the brown recluse spider yeah that's pretty also crazy. buying brown recluse spiders or like brown recluse spiders for sale is now in my searches <laughs> <laughs> for sale i'm only gonna buy them though if it's a really good deal like, come on. Yeah, I'm only looking at eBay and only if they're on a discount. I buy my spiders wholesale. Thank you. Well, mine's similar in the fact that I have to plan to work late and, and fall asleep downstairs or, or somewhere else. And, and so I don't often have like really late nights, but occasionally I will. I used to just like, like you, but not as bad. Um, so my plan is to work so much and so late that I'm, I'm so tired that it's possible I could just make a stupid mistake, such as preparing for uh, like an outdoor trip, like go, going on an overnight for camping or something. And I'm like testing my gear out or something in the room. I'm getting it all together um, to pack it. And I accidentally turn on like a gas or a kerosene space heater or a lamp that I'm going to be taking with me and then just leave it on. Just leave it on. Mm -hmm. And so when she goes to bed um, and I'm still working downstairs and I'm just, you know, I'm so tired that I could have just forgot that I turned it on to test it out to make sure it works and um, keep working and then fall asleep downstairs. And then when she's sleeping in bed for, for the remainder of the night, I'll just have to make sure that one of the children must have knocked out the carbon monoxide sensor in the wall. Right? Oh, no. And so yep. because they did that... Those those crazy kids. Uh, it'll fill up just this room, and uh, I'll wake up and be so surprised and shocked that she poisoned herself with carbon monoxide for turning on my kerosene lamp. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would take a really long time, like a kerosene lamp. I don't think so. Well, maybe a lamp. A space heater would be faster. But that's, yeah. how, that's how people die, by carbon monoxide. They, they put on a space heater... That's got like gas or kerosene in their room or in an enclosed space, like a tent. And then that's what was happening when it was so cold in um, Texas was people were doing that yeah, and it was yeah. filling up or like they were getting in their car and running their car in like an enclosed garage and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. dangerous because there, it's there's no scent to it. 
It's not yep. like you smell like natural gas in the gas line. They, they I, th- I think they add a scent to that. So you smell it more if you have a gas mm-hmm. in your house. But carbon monoxide now is nothing. Which is really, really fucking scary, right? Right. That's why you have to have carbon monoxide sensors in like central areas of your house. I think we have two. Yeah, we have we, one downstairs we, and one upstairs. Yeah, because it's I think it's heavy, right? So it sinks down. And so you put them yeah. down low so it, it'll pick up the carbon monoxide before it fills up the room and, and there's no more oxygen. Mm-hmm. So this is a PSA to go check your carbon monoxide. Yeah, you know, um, daylight savings right time just happened. That's where you check your um, smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors. So save yourself for someone else and don't light kerosene lamps in your house like an idiot. <laughs> And always, while work is awful and marriage is messy, murder is messier. And they make you work in prison, just in case you're thinking they don't. That's a good call. 